Hey there, welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Hello, everyone. Hi. Guess what tonight's topic is? Flying change, because we're doing Flying changes. We're talking all about flying changes because Saturday is the last day to sign up for my course on flying changes. I'm going to be interviewing you. Little do you know, tonight about flying changes. So we're going to have 20 questions on flying changes. This is Herman. I spelled his name incorrectly. It has an accent over the A. Herman. Yes. Yes. From Argentina. It's an Argentinian name, right? Yeah, it's Spanish. Yes. So we had a lot of people sign up for the course already. You get $100 off when you sign up by Saturday, and Saturday is the last day to sign up. So you should sign up. Um, Flying changes are like this magical thing when they happen correctly. And when they're so easy, too. They're easy, like once your horse knows them. But in there, I always feel like when when you teach a horse the changes, there's always drama. Have you ever taught a horse the changes that just like got it perfectly? Never any drama, no problem. No. No. I mean, I've taught horses that have like real natural ability, and you don't have to do much. But everyone's, but even with those horses, there were still those yahoo moments where it's just a little bit of wee. Tell us about teaching. Q, the flying changes. Um, Q apparently had some history and I was riding with somebody once and uh, she said to go do a half pass. And uh, because I put my legs in the position, right? He just bolted out of the arena. And I just remember her going, hey, it looks like we got into some history there. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I did a little research and they tried to teach him the flying changes by hit him with a lunge whip as he crossed the center line. And so it was a little catch. Anyway, so one time I'm heading into the mirrors and uh, I go to do the flying change and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm making sure I'm up and straight. He just plants his front feet and I watch his hind feet grow out of the back of my head like antenna from the TV show, My Favorite Martian. And I just saw those and I was like, oh my God. Uh, But it was eventually it was fine. He ended up doing the Grand Prix. Yeah. But there was a bit of bouncy bounce there for a while. Yeah, and it's like that. I I think like just whipping your horse when you go across the center line is not the recommended the recommended method. method of teaching your horse how to do flying changes. So there was a bit of you know deconstructing all of that just to get him to calm down and accept my legs there, and uh, and yeah, it was just kind of wild until he thought, oh, okay, you're not, it's all fine, and what are we doing? Yeah. Because fly, so flying changes are a horse's natural way of rebalancing themselves. Every horse does flying changes. Like if you put them loose in the field, they can do them. Right. They can do them. But the trick is getting them to do them you on them. your aids when you tell them to do it. And I think that that is really the hard part. And the best way to do it is to like go back to the basics and just like repeat the aid over and over again. So what is the aid for a flying change? 
the new outside rain and light? Yeah, they can't aid. Basically, the aid for a flying change is the aid. All oh, right, canter. so it's the same aid if you want right lead canner from the walk. That would be your position, but you just do it in the canner. Yeah. And I remember a few years ago, I was riding with Martin Thompson and he helped, he was helping me to teach a horse the flying changes. And I remember what I really liked about working with him was that because I, I was on Gatsby at the time and I remember feeling like I wasn't ready to start working on the changes. And Morton was like, so chill about it. And it was like, well, just try, like, just ask for the change. And if it doesn't happen, just walk and canter, walk and canter, walk and canter. And just like keeping that repetition and not making a big deal out of it. Because I think if you make a big deal out of it, you end up with Q. Like if you whip your horse and scare your horse, Every time you go across the diagonal, then you end up with a huge problem. If you make it a big deal, now it's a big deal. Yeah. And I think that a lot of horses and riders get stuck teaching the changes because of that, because they don't have like a system and they don't have patterns. And so they end up doing too much and scaring their horse. So what's your favorite pattern for teaching the changes? Um. The one that Morton does, that one loop serpentine with the yeah. changes. Actually, we did that in the, in the, in video. the video. That one, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, we learned that from Morton. But before that, what did you use? Um, I would do 20-meter circles, counter-canter walk, canter mm -hmm. walk, counter-canter walk. That's a good one. Canter, and then make counter-canter, and then really quick back to the true lead. So, the and that's worked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also the snowman one yeah so then you make the walk at the quarter line and the quarter line and then you do the true lead through the 10 meter circle and then when you go to the 20 then you'd ask for the for the flying change yeah i use that one yeah so it's really important when you're teaching the changes that you have like several different patterns to use and I don't think, I never teach them on the diagonal because I think that your horse starts to really quickly anticipate. If every time you go across the diagonal, you do a change, then your horse starts to anticipate. And anticipation is like one of the hardest and, things. And then what you end up doing is, I mean, you can train a horse to do it at the spot, but then they're not really doing it on the aids. They're just doing it because they're changing direction. And so that's, that's not ideal. Yeah. All right, let's see who's here tonight. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Heidi. Let me know if you're here. Where um, you're, I don't know. Where I'm you're watching specific. from? I don't know about um, any toddlers. Callie, yeah, <laughs> Callie says it reminds me of potty training a toddler. If you make it a big deal, it will totally backfire. I'm not going to take your word on that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. We haven't potty trained any toddlers. We've only um, trained a lot of horses flying changes. And the house broke him. Yes, that was it. But um, yeah. Okay. Yes. That's how they do changes in the hunter world. Yes. Okay. Here's a good question. What do you suggest for a Lusitano that anticipates and is now doing late changes? I would go with um, transitions within the canter gate, forward and back, forward and back to the walk, and then one walk step canter and have get him quicker jumping into that canter transition from the walk. But like I said, before that, I'd be going forward and back in the canner. Yeah. So pretty much any time that you have a late 
flying change. And that's a really, really common problem. It's a big problem because if your horse changes late behind, it does not meet the definition of a flying change. Like in dressage, the definition of the flying change is that the front legs and the hind legs have to change at the same stride, which in other disciplines, like in jumping, they're not as picky about that. So a late flying change is a problem because it's a sign that your horse isn't engaged, isn't active, isn't like coming through from behind. Right. So you have to, you don't want to keep doing late change after late change because otherwise what happens is your horse gets really good at doing late changes where they can feel like really smooth. And sometimes it's hard without eyes on the ground. It's like really hard to tell whether or not your horse did a clean oh, change. Um, the other thing you can do is do the change over a pole on the ground. Sometimes I think the pole makes them late behind though. It can. It, it depends that. on the horse. But you can try that because if they're late behind, you don't have enough collection. There's not enough jump in the canter. The strides are going long, low, and you got to get them higher because they need more time in the air to get all their legs switched. Yeah. So, so the other thing though, is if your horse is late behind focusing on the canter quality, and then also really focusing on like, when you do that walk canter, you have to really feel like the first stride of canter that it really comes through behind. Like you have to feel what's happening behind your seat and that that first canter stride is really like jumping and active and like really repeat right. that, like walk canter, walk canter. And it has to be like, the first canter stride has to be like a 10 because a lot of times is what happens is like you go walk canter and the first canter stride is like half trot, half canter. The hind legs are like a millisecond delayed and that millisecond delay causes a late change because it's the same aid. So like in your horse's brain, when you put your aid on for canter, your horse has to think instantly hind leg. That's so important. Right, that he's just springing off the hind leg. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's one of the hardest parts of riding is getting communication behind you, like getting your horse's hind legs. When you put your leg on, you want to get your horse's hind legs to respond. And that's hard, like to think about how, how do you get that? That when your leg goes on, your horse's hind leg comes on. I mean, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and then anticipation. So what do you do if your horse anticipates? I walk a lot. Yes. You don't want to do a flying change. If your horse is anticipating, you don't want to do it. And if your horse, if you're going along and your horse does a change that you didn't ask for, walk. Don't do the change back. Because if you do, like, say you're on left lead canter and your horse flips to the right lead and you didn't ask for it. You need to walk and get back on the left lead. Don't do a flying change back to the left. Do you agree? Mostly. Mostly. It depends a little bit on the horse, but mostly. Um, oh, good. Melanie says, I'm really enjoying the flying changes course so far. I really like how you break everything down. Late changes are the worst. Yes, it's best. Yeah, it's such a hard thing yeah. to fix. It's best if you... Um, fix it before it happens. The other thing that helps sometimes with late changes is thinking just a little haunches in before you ask for the change so that, um, that that hip 
the inside hip is just a little bit more forward. That can really help. Um, okay, let's see. There's another question. How do you stop changing in the front first? So that's basically if your horse is changing in the front first, that is the same thing as a late change. Um, Cindy says, I'm still figuring out asking for the canner from the trot at the right time. Yes, I'm an overthinker. I struggle with feeling what each of the horse's legs are doing at a particular time. So Cindy, I would say that sometimes, like, I don't think about where all the horse's legs are at all times. Do you? No. no. Um, for that canner to part, I just think about the inside diagonal. Yeah. If you're doing the trot, you just, the right hind is going with the left front. And if you want the left lead, you go with that, left that, front. that left front yeah. and then you ask, and then you'll get the outside hind. Yeah. But you don't, you can't feel it. I mean, you can look at it and then you look and feel it and look and feel it. And eventually you'll have the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with everything in riding, it's important. You always say it's like paralysis of analysis, right? Yes. You, most, yeah. Lots of us suffer from the, the paralysis of analysis. We overthink it. We're all up inside our heads and, you know, it's a program of action. You have to do something, even the wrong thing. At least you'll learn something. Yeah. Um, okay. I have, yes, I do have some slow-mo video of the trot canner transition and the walk canner transition. So on my YouTube channel, on Instagram, I have all of that there and in the course. Um, okay, so here's a good question. When you're setting your horse up for a flying change, how do you change the bend without your horse doing a flying change? I supple with the outside rein, which is going to become the new inside rein, but I keep my body at, okay, let's say we're on right lead canter. So my, my seats to the inside, right leg at the girth, left leg is back. I change the flexion on the left, make the neck soft on the left. If I have to move the shoulder, I move my hands and then I switch my legs. Yeah. So it's important that when you're setting up for a change, your leg position is what dictates the lead, the lead. So you should be able to counter position your horse. You, you need to be able to change the bend with your legs in the position of the lead. So you're actually going to be, your outside leg is going to be behind the girth. You're going to use your outside leg behind the girth to move the ribs over. So your horse is going to be bending the opposite way from the lead that they're on. Yeah, you need to be able to counter bend your horse so if you're on right lead canner, you need to have a left bend in it you, you, and maintain that. It's just part of the deal. Yeah. That's why counter canner helps so much. It's probably one of the prerequisites. Um, so there's a question there that says, how can I improve the jump? Because that is so important to get your flying changes. And um, you could jump. Uh, you could go over some ground poles. You could just ride medium canner, right? Close your leg and have them just and you want to get to your medium extended canter in one stride. Don't let it develop over the whole long side. You close your leg, he goes, and he goes right now. And that'll improve your jump. Yeah. Then you haven't got to be able to collect that on the end. But still, you've got to get that response that you close your leg and you feel your horse go in one stride. Not 
develop it. It goes six strides later and finally you get there. That's not jump. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's important when we talk about jump that you want it to be uphill and more suspension because you don't want like, you don't want your horse croup high and you don't want your horse strung out. So you really want your horse like short and uphill in right. the jump and and like lots of transitions also like little the rubber band exercise forward back forward back or yeah. over poles yeah transitions within the gate um as we all saw i'm assuming you all saw cones but if you didn't put cones there and you put poles in those four spots and then you ride over those poles at the canter yeah okay so there was a lot there have been a lot of questions both from people that are already in the flying changes course and also from the webinar about simple changes so simple changes are a really important precursor to your flying changes like i think with kensington who i talked about kensington's my horse that's him up there um he was really really hard to teach the flying changes to because his canter was so big and so I did a million simple changes, canner walk, canner walk, canner walk to get his canner more collected, shorter, more active. Um, for a simple change, how many walk strides should you have in your simple changes? Um, if I'm trying to get to my ones, one step, because I want to <laughs> speed him up and I want to hit the ground and bounce. <laughs> But um, if you're just doing a simple change, you got to have three. Yeah. So, and, and I think like when you're first, so when you're first starting your simple changes, you're going to need more walk steps because it's going to take you more strides to like walk, get organized, change the positioning, canter on the other lead. And then like Herman said, as you work to your changes, you want to be able to go like canter, walk two steps, canter on the other lead or even one step. Well, you can't do two because then you'd be on the same stride, right? Okay. You, that's why it, it, in the same thing, if, but for the first level where you do the trot transition out of the canter, it's three to five steps, right? Yeah, there it says three to five steps for a simple change at second level. That's what the and judge that's for wants. The show, yeah, right? that's now, what the judge wants to see. When you're at home and you're working on that and your walk isn't right and you're still three to five strides and your walk still isn't right, make sure your walk is right before you get to the canter. You yeah. don't want to go to the camp. Oh, it said three to five steps and then you're out of balance yeah. and you do some horrible transition. Make sure your walk is right. That's for the show. So you want to take the steps you need to take to get the balance, to get the contact. You know you're right. The horse feels good. And I don't care if it's the whole way down the long side. Now I have it. Now it's when you ask. <laughs> as don't rush it yeah so as many walk steps as needed but as few as, as possible. possible yes and, there we go yeah and like the showing and training aren't the same thing yeah but the simple changes you know like and also for those of you guys that maybe have a horse that knows the flying changes but you're trying to figure out the timing and the aids simple changes over and over and over again because simple changes allow you to practice your flying change aid without the stress of like you know i have to do it now and my horse isn't right and like the you know because for the flying change to happen everything has to be right in like a millisecond 
but with a simple change, you have a little more time to like right, to figure s- it to, out. To develop the feel. Okay, now I've changed the bend. I've yeah. moved my leg. I've sat to the side. I have my rein. Is everything there? Yes, it is. And then you can go. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think flying changes, they're like this magical thing. Like when you have a horse do a flying change, it's incredible because. It feels great. It's just so fun. It's just yeah. cool. It's, it's like, cool. and it it's such a moment of connection and like harmony with your horse. Everything has to be in alignment for that to happen, to have like, however, 1300 pounds of your horse underneath of you and they jump up in the air and they change their legs because you changed your legs. Like it's, it's amazing. The centaur. That is the centaur. Yeah. And, and it takes time to get there and just like consistency. And it really is a, I think it's a sign of the bond that you have and flying changes. And also the canter aid in general is kind of a personal thing. Like every horse is canter aid. Every horse's flying change aid is a little bit different. And that's part of why, like when I go to Europe and try horses, or if I'm on a horse, I don't really know. Flying changes is one of the most personal aids. And it's something that I don't always like push on a new horse. Right. Well, that, and like we went and tried um, Ulysses, right. And he was supposed to go and show that week, next two weeks or whatever, but they showed it to us and I got on and I tried to push all the buttons and play with it. And so he pulled it out of the show because I'm, you know, Oh, he did? Because he messed him up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Lawrence. (laughs) Yeah. So so flying changes are are definitely personal. It's a very personal thing. So anyways, um, I am going to... Oh, yeah. Someone asked here, so what is the favorite part about your new course? So that's a good question. I'm going to show you guys a little look into the course so this you haven't seen inside inside flying changes made simple um there's a lot of different exercises and of course we start with the basics because i think that the basics are like yeah it's 90 percent of your flying change is working on the basics because that's the preparation yeah without the preparation and like, okay, trot can or trot transitions. Those are hugely important for your flying changes. It seems simple, but like those transitions, they have to be perfect. They can't be like, they have to be simple. They have to be perfect. So walk canter transitions, canter quality, counter canter, the rubber band exercise, um, Kensington story. Now here's where it gets fun. So I give you guys a lot of different patterns that you can use to start teaching the flying changes. And then we have plan B when the unicorn won't fly. (laughs) So this was um, inside the course, I show you guys actually training a horse that is doing the changes. Like literally the first time I ever asked for the flying changes. And there's days that you don't get to do flying changes and you have to just go back to the basics. And I think that that is really, really important to understand is that it's not always just about the flying changes. It's about the importance of the basics. So these are a lot of different patterns. Um, The figure eight is the one that Charlotte Dujardin uses. Remember we learned that at her, um, at the symposium she did at El Campion. No, I don't remember the pattern. The, the one with the 10 meter circles. Nope, nothing. 
Yes, you remember it. The snowman, the change to the outside, that's where you lay yield in and oh, do yeah. the change to the outside. The half diagonal. Um, then we go into troubleshooting. So late behind anticipation. Um, I show it, a horse that anticipates. So a student that I'm working with, crooked flying changes, flying changes from the judge's view advanced flying changes. So there's a lot of content inside the course. So what was your favorite part of all that? What's my favorite part? Um, I did, there's some footage in there of GoPro, like where I show my, what my hands are doing in the flying changes. I think that that's pretty cool. Okay. And I think it's just cool. I, there's a lot of different horses that are in the course because I think that that's, every horse is a little different teaching the changes too. yeah they're all different in that sense yeah and so it's like some things work on some some don't on others and yeah and so we range from natasha who is like the perfect grand prix horse natasha like anyone could get on natasha and do a flying change she's amazing and very yeah she's very talented with her changes and but you think about it natasha's grand prix there's 31 flying changes in, in a Grand Prix test. So she probably does, I don't know, I probably do 60 flying changes on her a day. So she's done thousands and thousands and thousands of flying changes. And so we go all the way from Natasha all the way down to a horse who just is doing the flying changes. Leo, I show him doing the flying changes like the first time I ever ask for a flying change. And then kind of like the first few months of asking and there's some exciting moments. <laughs> there's some leaping in the air. There's some days that are like, oh man, today is is just not his day. And so that's fun. I show a little PRE that I ride and sometimes he has trouble with his change to the right. So working through anticipation, late changes, um, just really the reality. And then there's a you teaching Kane. So there's some of that lesson in there. All right. There, part of that is on YouTube. So if you guys haven't watched this week's YouTube video, and at the end, I interview him about changes and you give me a look, apparently. <laughs> Today at the barn, Christine came up to me and she was like, oh my gosh, I loved it at the end when you interviewed Herman and he just gave you that look. What was the look? It The look was like, why are you asking me that question? Are That's, you an that idiot? That was the look. That was like, why? What are we doing right now? So because I was asking you like questions that people might have, like, how do you ask for a change? Like, what happens? Okay, that why was, did we do all this? My, had you prepared me for that? Maybe because I was like, what is going on right now? Yes. So okay. Uh, okay. Right. That was all right. Uh, okay, so what else about <laughs> so what else about the course? So the way the course works, you sign up for the course, you get instant access to all the content, you have lifetime access to it. So even if you're not quite ready for the changes, I feel like it's motivation to get your canner better, to make your canner quality better, to make your transitions better. Like for me. Usually what happens is, and someone asks, like, when do you start working on the changes? Usually when I can do, like, um, change of lead through the trot, like left lead canter trot, right lead canter trot, my horse understands the leads. 
once I can do walk canner transitions, a little counter canner, then I start trying the changes. And like I ask for them, I play with them, and then I go back to the basics. So the flying changes are a test of how good your basics are and their motivation to get your basics better, their motivation to get your canter better. So that's how I do it. How do you do it? Um, yeah, I don't know about the trot canter one. I'm really, if I can walk canter and I, and my counter canter, I can stay on the line. Cause you know, how like some, you can cheat in the counter canter and over bend them and just sort of bank the turn. If I'm still doing that, I'm not thinking about my changes yet. Um, so once I have that counter canter, that's really balanced and I can do walk canter, then I'm, then I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Because it's one of those things, if you wait too long, if you do too much counter canner and it, right. if you never like start introducing the idea, then it gets harder and harder. Right. Because they get better and better at counter yeah. canner and they go, well, why am I, what? We do counter canner all the time. So yeah, you, you can't wait too long. Yeah. So, and I think that that's, it's kind of an interesting thing though, because sometimes the jumpers, like, because they just do them. And they don't make such a big deal out of them. Sometimes the horses pick them up easier in a way, you know, like sometimes we make such a big deal out of the changes and there's a, you have to like get your basics ready, but then you have to try, like you have to ask and you have to, you have to go there because if, if you never um, try. Jumper note, I mean, I've done changes that way too. Extended canter into the corner and turn real fast and I've gotten changes. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, but there's it's not really on the A. I mean, the horse does it because it's balanced or whatever. But sure, I mean, I've done that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's a question. So I was in a clinic with George Williams. He had someone do half ten meter circle, simple change, half ten meter circle, simple change down the center of the arena as a means to change the flying changes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. So that's the so one that's, that we're saying. Yeah, that's, the, the Charlotte, the Charlotte Jar on the right. You do the, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think that when you're teaching the changes, like different patterns work better for different horses. So like if you have a horse that backs off in the changes, you want to use like a longer line. Yeah, going into the short wall, which is that 10 meter right. half circle into the short is wall. It's good for a hot horse or right, a horse that like. backs them up. Yeah. It helps them rocked back but if you got one that isn't going already not so that's not as helpful yeah so anyways um that's a fun it's a fun topic i love flying changes because they're kind of a puzzle like every horse is just a little different and it's really i feel like it's a test of your horsemanship like to be able to figure out how to communicate to the horse what you want because like we said every but horse doesn't understand what you're saying yeah they can do it your horse can do the flying change so you've got to figure out how to break it down how to show your horse the steps and the signals for that flying change and it's a challenge it's, it's... not for levi apparently because he's <laughs> real... <laughs> look at the dog Levi does perfect flying changes in case anyone was wondering, <laughs> although he does have a lateral walk. Yeah, he is. I, I think he would get like a four on his walk. Or he's two ACL surgeries in. So. Yeah, and bow legs. So anyways, he's a good dog though. Yeah, but yeah, he's obviously visu vis visibly upset by conversations <laughs> about flying changes. 
I think he's, yeah, he's, he's been hearing a lot about flying changes. This uh, we're actually having two days of winter this season. Yeah. It's like going to snow. We're going to have, yeah, we got a blizzard morning. We're going to, it's yes. cold and uh, we have the heater on. And so he's very happy because he was at the barn today freezing <laughs> and now the heater's on and he's very happy. Yes. Oh, he's awake now. Levi, he's getting so old. It's all gray beard. Oh, okay. Um, all right. We're we'll do one more question from Callie. If you're just introducing the flying changes to your horse, how much time do you spend working on it in your ride before you move on to something else so they don't get tired of it? Also, do you work on it every day or give them a break? That's a good question. Watch my webinar. Check out my iceberg slide. Yeah. Um, so just Basics. sprinkle it in. Just yeah. sprinkle it in. Sprinkle it in. Yeah. 90% of your time is working on the basics, the, tr the canner transitions, the canner quality. When everything is good, you try a change. The change really is a test of like everything that can go wrong will go wrong in a flying change. Your Whatever horse, you do not have right yeah. will show itself in the change. <laughs> yeah. So the flying change is a good test <clears throat> to see where you need to work on. So if your horse throws their head up in the air, you need to work on your connection. If your horse like jumps to the side and goes really crooked, you have to work on your straightness. If your horse breaks to the trot, you have to work on activity and impulsion. So um, use your flying change as a test, but then go back and focus on the basics in order to improve your flying changes. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this talk tonight about flying changes. I hope everybody's winter ends sooner than later. Yes, and you have until Saturday to sign up, so I hope to see you guys there. Good night, everyone. Bye. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions, and I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.